Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tarvalon Talks. I'm Dahl, and today I'm joined by Finya and Thad, and we're going to chat about rereading The Wheel of Time. Should you or should you not reread it? How many times have you reread it? And if you like The Wheel of Time, what other books do you recommend? So, I personally, I have read all of the books at least once. I've read everything but the last book twice. And some of the first couple books I've read three times, maybe. First book I've read, like, the first three chapters, like, many times. <laughs> Very easy to do that. <laughs> but I've only read it all the way through three times, I think. Uh, Thad, I think you're much further than me. Yeah, I've read the whole series probably about a good 20, 30 times. That's a lot. I've been doing it since the 90s, though, so I've got I've got the time. Yeah. It's not like I did it all in a few years. Like, if, it takes me about a year, if not a little longer, to do a full reread because it's not the only thing I read. And I try to I try to keep it at, at about a book a month. But um, that means I'm perpetually rereading this series and uh, somehow it doesn't get old. I have books like that, but not The Wheel of Time. <laughs> you, you've only read it once. I've only read it once. I guess technically I've read the first like two and a half books twice because I had my failed attempt at reading it the very <laughs> first time. But since finishing the series, I haven't had a chance to go back and reread. Well, there's uh, never a better time than now. <laughs> yeah. I would like to. It's just a, a matter of finding the time and balancing that with all of the other books that I want to read. Forget about the other books. You got a wheel of time. What else do you need? True. Who needs who needs other books when I can just read Robert Jordan? Who needs diversity when you have the wheel of time, which is full of diversity? There's so many skirts that can be smoothed and braids that be done. <laughs> so for me, it just takes a lot longer to read in general. I think the last time I reread them was after Towers Midnight. Was that the second one that Brandon wrote? Towers of Midnight was the second one he wrote, right? Yep. After that came out, I reread all the way through to the end. Because when I was reading it, I realized I didn't re- recognize half the people that were in the book. I'm like, I don't remember these people. So I started to reread. That happens. I mean, I felt like that when I was reading the series in the first place. So <laughs> <laughs> I understand. How many of the kin can you remember at this point? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> No, I can't remember any of them. I can't remember their names. But like, I don't even remember what I had for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I did find that when I started rereading, I noticed some things that I didn't notice before because I knew what was happening, like what was coming. I could see the foreshadowing a little better. And like, it's been a while now, so I can't exactly remember any specific ones. But there's just so much that he did that when I first read them, I'm like, well, surely he wasn't planning this from the beginning. But when you go back and read three books before he mentioned something about it in passing that you didn't catch before because you didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, well, damn, I guess he meant to do it all along. Yeah, I remember reading stuff in book three that didn't show up until like book eight or something. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. So like on a subsequent reread, you're just like, there is the first kind of nugget of foreshadowing for Something that happens five books from now. Yeah. Those are definitely things you don't pick up just on one read through. Yeah, that's why I'm interested in rereading these books. Like, obviously, like I said, I I haven't yet, but I would really like to because it seems like there's such a depth of foreshadowing that we get in this series and that 
you obviously can't notice the first time through. And then you do recognize some of these things as you reread it. Yeah. Like, there's the ones everybody always talks about, like, in the very first chapter or the very first book, when Tom is talking about the stories he's going to tell. And he, he tells the stories of, um, it was like Glenn the Eagle and his daughter Sally and stuff like that. Those little details I didn't pick up at first either. And, like, I miss those entirely. Oh, yeah. Miss those the first, I think, two or three times. Yeah. They're not necessarily foreshadowing. But there are little details that just, you don't, until you know the scope and breadth of the, the world, that you don't pick up and you don't make the connection. There were some that I didn't pick up until the first Jordan Con when, what's his name, Alan? Mm-hmm. Alan Romanchik. Yeah, when he was just like, oh yeah, by the way, that was a Mercedes symbol in the Tanchico Museum. And I was just like, wait, what? Next time I read it, I was like, sure enough. Yeah, I, I didn't pick that one up until somebody told me to but that. I don't remember who it was. Well, and that's some of the stuff that we get in um, Origins of the Wheel of Time, right? Like Michael Livingston talks a little bit about some of that. Maybe not necessarily all of it, but. Yeah, we get some of it in there, but some of it you can pick up on. Like people did pick up on the Mercedes-Benz logo. Yeah, I'm I'm not saying that the only way to get that is from reading his book. Yeah, I don't know if that's specifically mentioned, but a lot of that stuff is in that book, which makes it fascinating because you get a way more of that behind the scenes, even more so than I had known before that book came out. Really makes it interesting. Like, I would love to go back and do another reread now with that book. Plus, like, it may be time that I can actually read the last book again without, like, I had to grieve. (laughs) Like, I put that book down and my heart broke. It'll do that to you. I was just mad. <laughs> mad about what? Reading that book. <laughs> and this time you, you can keep the compendium open next to you. That's that's what I'm doing right now as I reread through it. I'm on Path of Daggers. I just keep it open so when a name pops up, I go, ah, yes, this person, of course. What drives your rereads? Is it just a desire to, like, see something deeper in the text? Or you just love the books and the world? Or... There is definitely a little of both to that for me. Like, I have books that I have reread multiple times. Much shorter, much, much shorter books. Like, I've, I read Watership Down probably eight or nine times. And every time I read it, it connects differently because I'm in a different place. I see richer detail within the text. And knowing what happened before or what happened at the end sort of drives how I see things. And the place I am in my life is much different when I first started reading them in, well, the first couple failed times in the 90s and then in 2001 when I really sat down and read them. I was 21 and naive was much different looking at her as a, you know, someone only a couple years older than me. I thought she should have been more mature. Yeah. Now as a 40 something, I'm like, "Mm." you know, she was just a kid. (laughs) Like, the weight of everything she was dealing with at 22, 23 was much different than I thought. So, like, there are a lot of things you get out of a second read through that not just finding more details, but relating to the story in a different way. And then just enjoying something that's familiar sometimes, you know, it's just nice. Dad? Uh, I guess it's kind of along the same lines. You know, I was just a teenager when I started. I was a fresh teenager when I started reading the books because I got the first one on my 13th birthday. So I started reading it then. And every time I reread it, I'm at a different point in my life. 
So you kind of experience everything from a little bit of a different perspective as things go on. When I was younger, 13 year old, I want Rand's story. Rand is awesome. He's the chosen one. He's going to save the world. Screw Perrin. He's boring. I don't like him. You know, here we are 20 something years later. And I'm like, you know, Perrin is a methodical and very well thought out person. And I did not give him that much credit when I was younger. But now I have the perspective having aged 20 plus years. You know, that goes with a lot of the characters in the books. Like, as a teenage boy, I hated reading about Egwene, Nynaeve, all of them. I was just like, ah, I don't care about these girls. I just want the boys. <laughs> they are so cool. And now I'm like, you know what? Egwene and Nynaeve, they get some of the coolest scenes in the entire series. It's just a massive perspective shift as time goes on. Every time I read it, something else like, I didn't appreciate this before. I appreciate this a whole lot more now. It may be a, a bit of a contentious point, but I used to really, really dislike Fayil. Now I get it. Yeah, I think that's pretty contentious. It just takes you <laughs> And she's annoying. Yeah, so, you know, I still read other stuff. I don't read other stuff as much as I do reread the Wheel of Time books. And you can either look at it as, wow, that's dedication, or you need to broaden your horizons. <laughs> And it's a little bit of both, but I just love the story, the characters, the world, everything about it so much that it's just a comfort thing. Yeah. I can pick up the book. I can literally pick up the books at any point in the book and just start reading and I'm in. Any advice for someone who is thinking about doing a reread but is hesitant? If it's your first reread, you've got the compendium. You can use the compendium now. You've read everything. You can't, you know, I've read this series, like I said, 20 plus times at this point. There is still stuff that I cannot remember about this series. It is such a wide swath of information going on all of the time that I'll have the compendium open. I'll, I'll open up a wiki. I'll go to the glossary of another book to, to figure something out. Like, don't, don't feel like you have to know everything all the time. It goes without saying, like, any kind of thing. Just don't, don't feel like you have to be all knowing about it all the time. Cheat a little. You don't want to read the first book? Skip it. Go read some chapter summaries on, on like the fandom wiki or in the Tarpalon library. No one's going to care. I'm pretty sure that's what Diana did on her last reread. <laughs> I mean, that's smart. Yeah, I do it. I'll read a few chapters. I'll go read the summaries just so I can kind of get kind of a brain dump kind of of here's the succinct breakdown of what happened in the chapter, right? In case I missed something. I will also say another idea. If you can focus on audiobooks, do it. It's another thing. You got another format? Do it in another format. If you read it the first time, listen to it the next time. Yeah. And if you have a commute... Listen to it again. There you go. Yeah. It's like 40, 45 minutes a chapter. So you can get through a chapter a day doing it that way. And they're releasing the lovely versions with... Um, Rosamund Pike. Yes, the Rosamund Pike. I had a brain fart. I'm like, Maureen? It's okay. She just is Maureen. <laughs> And that's the great thing. Like, you don't want the Michael um, Kramer versions of the books? Go listen to the Rosamund Pike. You've got choices. You've got choices. It's it's beautiful. You know what? You know what? If you've done a reread and you don't really want to reread, you can just watch the TV show. <laughs> it, it'll be similar. Not exactly the same. Sure. Well, like I said, you don't got to remember everything. You just got to kind of get the major story beats down. Exactly. Now, some people may say, I want to do the reread, but I hate the slog. You know what? 
to hell with the slog. If you don't like the slog, skip the slog. Read the chapter summaries. <laughs> or don't read the chapter summaries, just skip the slog. Yep. I have known people that have just straight up skipped books and come back in, and they've been fine. If you can remember enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> One of my favorite ones was I had a friend who skipped a few books, and he comes back in and he goes, what are death gates? I go, oh, you missed a very fun, very, very fun thing. Was this a friend who had read the books? I'm actually, scratch that. It sounds like it was a friend who had not read the books before and was just skipping books because they were bored. They didn't like yes. what they were reading or. Yes. It's not always easy to do. I had someone who read through several of the books and they went, I skipped a lot of the world building and only read character dialogue. Wow. I mean, I guess it works. Maybe. You may not get the full picture. You might have an idea of what's going on. These are all very interesting techniques that I could never do. No, I couldn't <laughs> do that. I think for me, what helped, and like I said, I haven't reread, but what helped in my first read was splitting up the books. So reading things in between, because when I read it back to back, I just got overwhelmed, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like I would do that with a reread as well and just break it up a little bit. It's like 12, 13,000 pages of text. At least. Yeah. Audio is about 20 days of audio. You know, 24 hours a day for 20 days. That's a lot. That's a lot of audio. So don't don't feel bad if you have to take a break in between your reread. Read the first two books like Finney said. Go read something you really like. So, you're, you know, it, you're fresh and you come back in and you, you've got the... Um, motivation to really jump back in don't well, don't be afraid if you forgot something just pull up a wiki that's that's what they're there for if you don't want to reread Although, the books but still want your robert jordan fix i'm sure there's fan fiction go read fan fiction just go read the fallon blood trilogy or don't go read the conan the barbarian <laughs> novels he did. i mean if that's what you're into i'm i'm you know I, we could feel that eye roll through the audio doll <laughs> Right. Oh, he was definitely not a romance writer. But speaking of other things you want to read, what are some things that, if you like The Wheel of Time, you might also enjoy? I'm going to start with the obvious Brandon Sanderson's world. It's a good lateral move. I have a slight caveat to that. And I think that's if you really enjoy Robert Jordan's prose, I'm not sure Sanderson is the right move for you. No. That is true. Sanderson has a more, I want to say, cinematic approach to his prose. Well, Sanderson will even tell you he doesn't really have prose. Well, I was going to say, actually, that I feel like, at least the way I delineate it, is that Robert Jordan has a very traditional fantasy style, and Sanderson has a very contemporary fantasy style of writing. That's a good way of putting it. You're not going to get a lot of flowery language or long-winded descriptions. So... If we go into Sanderson's work, he has the Stormlight Archive, which is a massive undertaking, and it isn't even remotely done. I haven't even read more than two books. I've only read the first three. I haven't gotten around to reading the third one yet, and I think the fourth one came out last year. fourth one came out, like, a few years ago. A few years ago. Yeah. And the fifth one is on its way? The fifth one is roughly 50% done. Yeah. So that would end like the first segment of it. And there's supposedly like five more. Yeah. It's a 10 book series. If you get started in it, it is going to be that wide scope epic fantasy you want with the world building. But it is going to take some time to finish. 
But the nice thing about Sanderson is that he probably will finish it. Most likely. Yeah. He probably would have been closer to being done with Stormlight now if he hadn't gotten tapped to do Wheel of Time. Well, I don't think Stormlight would have happened if he hadn't gotten tapped to do Wheel of Time. You don't think so? Absolutely not. Not the scope he's doing it. Hmm. Like, he had got the concessions he wanted to produce the book he wanted by writing the Wheel of Time. Like, he said that himself. Like, he would not have been able to produce it in the way he did, in the, the scope that he has, if he had not had the clout from finishing the Wheel of Time and, you know, basically Tom Doherty going, yes, yes, finish these books and then we'll do whatever you want. <laughs> that sounds like Tom Doherty. It is. I mean, <laughs> we want this story finished. We think you can do it. Whatever you want after that, we will do. <laughs> like, the full-color pictures that we have in the books, the fact that it is one of the largest books ever published from Tor. Like, the first book in this series was the largest book that Tor had ever published. I actually think they had to develop the technique to print it for Towers of Midnight. There's that. Then he has, uh, like, Mistborn books, which there are currently two trilogies out. Well, one's a quadrilogy. Yes, technically a quadrilogy. And they're set in the same world, but in different times. So each trilogy slash quadrilogy or quad... Is quadrilogy the term for it? I don't know. <laughs> How do you say it? it was supposed to be... It, well, the third book was supposed to just be the third book, but it got so big, he split it in two, just like what happened to a memory flight getting split to three. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was supposed to be a trilogy, but the last book got split because it got too big. You know how Sanderson is with writing. He'll just conflate it until... It's a lot. So outside of Sanderson, any other author that either of you would suggest? I, I personally, if we're going to talk about Robert Jordan's prose and everything against Sanderson's more contemporary approach, Jenny Wirtz. Oh, you neither of you have ever read any of it. I haven't. I haven't read any, but I'm familiar with the author. I have a lot of friends who are huge fans. Oh, Jenny, she does some great work. Her big thing is The War of Light and Shadows. It's like 10 or ten or 12 books, and she's been working on the final one for years now. I go and visit her at Dragon Con every year because I'm like, I love, I love your books. Please sign all my books. But not, you know, outside of jumping into her huge 10-book saga, she's got a bunch of one-offs that are pretty good. One that I would always suggest is... Now I'm blanking on it because I, I, I I'm thinking too hard about it. You have the whole internet at your fingertips. I do. On the other hand... If you finished The Wheel of Time, you're probably not afraid of a 10-book epic series. Probably not. So the, the, the book I was thinking of is Master of White Storm, which is, I would just say read it. I don't want to ruin it because to describe it is to ruin it. It's kind of one of those things. It's got the weirdest framing device of a book I've, I've read because you don't, you very rarely get first-person perspective on the main character. It's always told from another character's view. So what makes it a good fit for someone who's a fan of Wheel of Time? Like you had mentioned, it is a more kind of classical fantasy. This book was written in the early 90s. It was actually written around the time that the first Wheel of Time book came out. I think it was 90, 92, something like that. Yeah. Prose is very thick and flowery for this book, but it's really good. But... It tells a story in parts uh, about a character, the main character, Corin Deer, and his journey to kind of figure out who he is. For me personally, it kind of paralleled, you know, Bran's journey of, hey, you're the chosen one, figure it out as you go along. 
Well, it's kind of the opposite case with this character, but I don't want to expand too much on it because it kind of ruins the story to do so. But it just worked really, really well. I've read the book. I've listened to the audiobook of it. I've talked to the author about the book. We actually had a pretty uh, engaging discussion about the ending of the book. And it's probably one of my favorite non-Robert Jordan books. I'm sitting here thinking, I have completely blanked on every book I've ever read. (laughs) I've been trying to think of books ever since we decided this was going to be the topic that we were going to discuss for this episode. I've been trying to think of books that I would recommend to readers of uh, Wheel of Time. Mm -hmm. And I really can't think of much except for the four books that make up, I don't know if the quartet as a whole has a name, but the wider world is Sherwood Smith's Sartorius Della's books, specifically um, the quartet that starts with Inda, because it has kind of that same classical fantasy prose. Similar to Robert Jordan, it kind of starts off small, and then the scope of the action gets larger and larger until you have not quite a worldwide event, but something similar. And there are some really, really incredible military battles in it. It's one of my favorite series of all time. Criminally underrated, I think. So I would definitely recommend that. I've seen a lot of books that I've heard are good for fans of Wheel of Time. One of those is uh, The Shadow of What Was Lost by James Islington. I think that's part of a trilogy, the Lycanius trilogy, but I haven't read them myself, so I can't actually recommend them. Yeah. And like, I've heard um, The Bound and the Broken by Ryan Cahill or Cahill. He's a self-published author who does kind of that traditional fantasy style, and I've heard those are really good. But again, I haven't actually read them. Yeah, like there are a lot of people who come to JordanCon every year that everybody talks about their books that are really good that I have sitting in my to-be-read pile and haven't read, so. Yeah. Is it as tall as you now? (laughs) Yeah, that's my problem. There is, from what I'm told, a very good run of books that if you really like Wheel of Time, you'll love it. And the first one, I believe, is called Wizard's First Rule by Terry Goodkind. You know. If, if you like a good carbon copy of The Wheel of Time, there's no better place to start than The Wizard's First Rule. A shittier carbon copy. I'm kidding, if you can't tell. <laughs> Is that the one with the evil chicken at one point? No. I think you're thinking of Terry Pratchett. No, 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 no. I'm not thinking of Terry Pratchett. Oh, no. Finya would know if it was Terry Pratchett. Okay. I'm like, that sounds like a Terry Pratchett thing. No, no, no. It's, it's not Terry Pratchett. So Wizard's First Rule is... The, not the Shannara books, right? Is the other Terry? No, the Shannara is Terry Brooks. Yeah, that's Terry Brooks. Shannara is like, I don't know how to describe it other than it's kind of like Lord of the Rings. It's another Wheel of Time inspired book that's not quite a carbon copy. I have not actually read Shannara, but I've watched the TV show, which I understand is very different. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say they have a TV show on Netflix. (laughs) <laughs> they do. I enjoyed it. I mean, I don't think it's good, but I enjoyed it. It's good if you're a teenager. Yes. <laughs> but I think that I actually read the first, well, I think I read Wizard's First Rule a long time ago, back when I was in high school, and never got into the series. But a long time ago, when Live Journal was still a thing, there was someone talking about places that the series went, and Callan, Kalen, like the one of the characters has to deal with this evil chicken. And that is the only thing that I remember 
Um, I'm going to see if I can Google this. Okay, because I haven't actually read all of them. I, I actually did find something on that. After reading about the evil chicken scene, let's just say that I kept Wizard's First Rule at the bottom of my reading pile. <laughs> that was a review from somebody. <laughs> yeah, see? I was right. There is an evil chicken. Uh, you would never find evil chickens in a fantasy book. All right, so we had a, we, we've got a few good suggestions on you know things that you can read outside of Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson as kind of the obvious lateral move on that, you know, mm -hmm. removing Terry Goodkind. We've got, we've got a couple of good things. We had, what was it? We had uh, Jane, the James Islington books. We, Janie Wirtz. Sherwood Smith. Sherwood Smith. Anybody else that anybody can think of at the top of the head? I'm looking through my Goodreads and most of my books that I've read recently are not that kind of epic fantasy. So like I've got a great uh, I've got a bunch of great book recommendations but they're not necessarily appropriate for someone who <laughs> is looking to read something similar to The Wheel of Time. I've got a good I've got a couple of good older kind of fantasy like late 90s early 2000s. He's been the guest of honor at JordanCon before but I really like him as an author David B Coe. Yes, David B Coe is good. Like, if you do his Lon Tobin Chronicles, or you do his Winds of the Forelands, uh, he's got two series that are, sound kind of similar in name. He also writes under a different name that I can't remember. He does. He does D.B. Jackson as kind of... Yeah, it's it's weird because he'll do fantasy under David B. Coe, and then he'll do everything else under D.B. Jackson. Like, he's done a bunch of more contemporary stuff or stuff based on other things. Like, he did a... he did Remember that um, Robin Hood movie from... What was the actor that did Waterworld? Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner's Robin Hood. He did the novelization of that movie. The Prince of Thieves. Yeah. I didn't know that. I did not know that. So if if you want to read like some of his older work, he has he's actually gone back for the Lon Tobin Chronicles and he's rewritten them completely. So if you read the old Tor versions, that's the old version. And if you read, I think it's Lore Seeker Press versions. Like if you buy an ebook of it now, you'll get the newer version of it. Um, but those are those are pretty good standard contemporary, like not contemporary, but kind of older fantasy stylings. He's also kind of started doing more supernatural thriller kind of stuff because that's just kind of what he's leaned to. Uh, he did one under D.B. Jackson recently that I thought was pretty good. I read the first two. I haven't read the third one yet, but they were more fantasy, but they're done under his D.B. Jackson uh, pen name. And our friend of the pod, Michael Livingston, also has a couple books out. If you like the historical side of Wheel of Time more, with more battles. Go read Shards of Heaven. Shards of Heaven and the two others, the Gates of Hell and the Realms of God. They're more, a little more focused on battles. They're not really my thing, but I know people really like them. And he is our friend and our guest of honor at JordanCon next year. So if, you know, the battles and fighting are what you like, read those books and then come visit him next year at JordanCon. If you enjoyed the political maneuvering of Wheel of Time and wanted something a little spicier with better spanking, <laughs> I, I would recommend uh, Kushiel's Dart by uh, Jacqueline Carey. <laughs> so one of the things that reminded me of it was because she actually has a blurb on the front of one of the Wheel of Time books recommending it. Really? Yes. She does, actually. Which one? I don't remember. Uh, I'm going to have to go check this out now. But I've been a fan of her books for a long time. She actually has 
a book coming out at the end of August uh, called Cassiel's Servant, which is a retelling of Kushiel's dart from the point of view of Jocelyn, who is like the main character, the male, one of the male characters in the book. He's the love interest. So I'm looking forward to that. But it's not, again, it's not like, don't go into it expecting an epic fantasy in the same way that The Wheel of Time is. It's definitely very fantasy. It has a lot of that same kind of political maneuvering. And it does have much better spanking. So, so you know, I guess the last suggestion that I could make is, I, I feel like it's kind of obvious, but at the same time, maybe not, is Anne McCaffrey. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, she's she's got her whole Dragon Riders of Pern thing going on. Takes place, you, you know, there's like, what, 30-something books in that series? Takes place over the course of thousands of years or something like that. But it does get a little science-y. Does it? Yeah. It is a little more science I've only read the first few of them, personally. I read a bunch of the books uh, when I was a kid. I think I stopped about the time that her son was taking over the series. And it starts off very, like, heavy fantasy. Not heavy fantasy, because you can see, at least when you're reading it as an adult, I think I missed some of the signs when I was 12, (laughs) but you can see that this is a very scientific community, an advanced community that has kind of gone backwards in their development because of where they are. But as the series progresses, they do rediscover a lot of that science and it does become a lot more science fiction-y by the end. I mean, like they still have dragons and it's hard to get more fantasy than that, but she does manage to make it kind of science-y. So what you're saying is that just like Wheel of Time, they have gone backwards in technology. And by the end of the series, they have started working their way forward back to technology. Actually. It's just a different world. It is It is a different world, but I think it's humanity as a whole. So very, very appropriate, Thad. I, I can't think of anything else right this minute. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank at this point. I'd have to actually just go and look at my bookshelf because most of the time I buy adjacent to, you know, Wheel of Time. Yeah, and I personally have gotten to where I can't read a lot. I've actually been reading something recently. I think there's only the first two books on it are out, but I found out about it through a tour newsletter. And uh, it's from James Rollin, and it's called The Starless Crown. And it's very, like, classic fantasy it has a pretty cover if i recall correctly it does it does i I actually went and bought a copy of the book and i'm about halfway through it now and it's very it's hitting all the right notes for me in terms of it's you know it doesn't lean too heavily into the like these days i can't stand it when it's like european medieval fantasy for like 90 percent of like the series yeah this kind of doesn't have that although it kind of does at the same time but it's not the the king author myth yeah, like it's not Arthurian legend, but at the same time, it's doing its own thing. I would suggest that if you want something new, because this book is only a few years old, if I can remember right. Yeah, I think it is a pretty recent release. I think Dave Duncan might be an appropriate recommendation. He's not new. The book in particular that I'm thinking about is The King's Blades. So the Gilded Chain might satisfy that kind of old school fantasy itch. Have either of you read any Brent Weeks? Um, I've read, he's the um, Nightblade Assassin. The Night Angel trilogy was his first trilogy. Yeah, I read the first book of that. That, uh, that, that says a lot from the look on your face. I read the first book. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I know that he's very popular. He's more popular for the second series at this point. 
Okay. I I was not hugely impressed by the first book, but I think that was his first book as well. It was. The Night Under Trilogy was his first like big thing. And I think that led him into doing, it was the something prism, the blending prism, something like that. I've only read the first book of that one, but it was, it was really good. So I have one for the people who really like the elaborate descriptions of the clothing and the romance and are kind of also uh, Emily Dickinson fans. And that is Mary Robinette Cowell. Oh, yeah, actually. She has a whole series of glimmerist histories, which are very light fantasy. They're like a very light magic set in a Edwardian style setting where it's always the romance, you know, the protagonist is looking for her man and they, they you know they have the conflict and then they fall in love and get married but it also has these this really cool like magic system that's not very high fantasy but it has all of the the pretty costumes and the you know courtly intrigue i didn't realize she did fantasy i am familiar not that i've read them but it's not high fantasy it's very very light fantasy the only titles of hers that I know are um, science fiction. Yeah, these are, like I said, they're historical setting, like Edwardian, very Emily Dickinson style. But there's a very light touch of magic to them. And uh, I can't remember how the magic system worked, but it was like kind of cool. But it's very, very light fantasy. But, you know, it's still really fun and they were really easy to read and great books if that's what you like. I don't recommend them if you're more of the high fantasy. I mean, if you want if you want the the super high, super traditional kind of cookie cutter 80s fantasy, just go read Tad Williams. I mean, there's nothing wrong with what he does, but he is very like prime example of kind of 80s fantasy. Mm-hmm. I think, and Diana's not here, so she can't correct me on this. But I think that she recommends the Dandelion Dynasty books by Ken Liu. She's talked about those before. I know she likes them. What I mean specifically is I think she recommends them for fans of Wheel of Time. I, okay. okay. Yeah, I, we have talked about that before. Yeah, I, like, I, I have no question she likes them. But <laughs> I think in this particular context, she would recommend them as well. Um, I can't think of anything else right now. Yeah, I'm kind of tapping tap dry on the well here. I've got lots of book recommendations, but not... For this specific scenario. All right. I think that gives everybody a taste of where to start. Or you could just read Wheel of Time again. I mean. Yeah, that's true. Like we said at the <laughs> beginning of this episode, who needs other books when you can just read Wheel of Time? Yeah. You can just read Wheel of Time for the rest of your life like that. It's got political intrigue. It's got romance. <laughs> Not good romance, but it's got romance. <laughs> it's got bad spanking. It's got that shower scene written by Brandon Sanderson that I still cannot believe actually made it into the book. What shower scene? I don't remember a shower scene. You don't remember that? It's no. In, it's, I, I won't say exactly where it is, but oh, it is. It's something special. Let me tell you. Is that Land and Nanny? No, it's Rand when he mists the water around him and, um, you know, one of his three wives. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've blocked it out of my head. For good reason, it sounds like. It's not good, but it's the kind of camp that I expect from Wheel of Time. But yeah, I recommend just keep reading The Wheel of Time and and come back and listen to us next time. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Tarvalon Talks. If you have any questions, you can email us at producertvt at gmail.com or you can find us in the general forums on the message boards there's a thread pinned at the top you can also join us 
on the Tarvalon.net Discord in the Tarvalon Talks channel. Until next time. Peace out, homie.